church. Wow, that was uh, very impressive. So how y'all do things down here in Texas? I don't know. What's up, Impact Church? Yeah, that's right. Are you glad to be here today? Are you proud to be a part of this church, right? Tell you what, in fact, nudge somebody by you real quick and say, it is not the same without you. Could you do that? Come on, just play along. Nudge the other person on the other side and say, so get get busy. <laughs> do something, right? How many knows the church is not just a building? It's it's you, right? We are the church, and uh, I'm so, so grateful to be here today with you. We're going to have a good time. God's going to have his way. And all of God's people said? Yes, absolutely. I love, I said this in the first service, I love that you guys pray over other churches. I mean, again, it is the, the big church, right? The big C. It's not just us, right? And by the way, congrats on your anniversary. How cool is that, right? That's great. You know, this morning, um, this, is, this shows you the big C church, right? This morning, our church back up in Tulsa is starting a three-week celebration of our 100th anniversary. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Lots of good stuff, man. And God's, God's faithful, isn't he? Absolutely faithful. So glad you're here. But, you know, it's, it's great. You, you guys praying for other churches. You, you believe in the big picture. We're all a part of this together. It's all about the kingdom, right? And it's so funny that this, this morning, and I don't often do this, but God just kind of reminded me during service here. But all the way here, I got up early. Drove in from Tulsa this morning and uh, got on the road about 545. And, like, every church I would see, it's like I, God would just sort of highlight it. And I would just pray over that church and just believe it for good things to come, you know. Because I believe that's why we're here, right, to, to reach a lost world for Jesus. And uh, it's also funny because when you start noticing churches, you start noticing church signs. And let's just all agree, people need some help, right? Come on now. I'm telling you, I, I don't know. If you got to hire somebody to come to your sign, do something, right? Because some of those signs are just, okay, I'm going <laughs> to get off that subject. But I, I don't know. There, there's something about, I think, the church, maybe we've fallen into a rut in some, some sense that, that there's so many people trying to hype up stuff, right? And, and I was just saying this earlier today. It just hit me that there's no need to hype up what we have when we have hope like we have. Amen? There's no need to hype things up and make it into something bigger than it is because it's already bigger than it could ever be, right? It's, it's all about Jesus. And, and I believe in that we've got such hope, and I believe there's a big difference between hype and hope. In fact, I, I love this passage. I just want to throw it in here today. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that hope is not just some generic thing. Hope is a person. All right? Listen to this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is. Everybody say, who is. Who is our hope. So if you're looking for hope, look no further than Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not just a concept. It's a person. And he is here today to do something in your life. I believe that. We love to be people of hope. Anybody got some hopes in your life today? Right? Some things you've been praying about and believing for. You've got things that are burdening your heart, maybe. There's these areas of hope that so many of us are, are just praying about and centering our thoughts on. And I, I know that we love to talk about hope, but I also know that we love to talk about struggle a little bit. Right? Now, if you don't believe me, just think about the TV shows that get your attention the most. Right? Like, I was realizing just recently that uh, I was a bad dad. I was failing as a father because my... 13-year-old daughter had never seen the Rocky movies. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. 
Who, do, who hasn't seen it, by the way? So we'll know us, who else is failing. All right, so no, no offense. Rocky, man. I mean, it was, like, it was like early in the morning on a Saturday. I never just spent a Saturday watching TV. I did yesterday watching football. That's a little different. But, but uh, it was a Saturday, and it's a few weeks ago, and I'm like, all right, we're going to fix that right now. We just started, we fired it up. Netflix has got it, man. So we started with number one, and we worked up to number four, and we quit because Rocky Five ain't Rocky Five, right? You know what I'm talking about. Rocky is one through four, and the rest of them, yeah, they're just, they're something. I don't know what they are. But we watched those things. And what I just got to thinking about was how we love the show because we all love Rocky, who's up on top of the world, right? He's, he's got everything in his life. There's a lot of Rocky Four. He's got like the robot and stuff, you know? Okay, y'all don't know that. That's cool. Just trust me on that, right? Uh, he's got like everything going well in his life. But man, if you go all the way back to the first, he's like this guy living in a dump with nothing going right in his life. He had to fight his way up from nothing in order to become something great. And I think there's something about us that even though we talk a lot about hope, there's a part of us that appreciates the struggle, right? And I think we appreciate it because that's our story, isn't it? We all live in that land in between sometimes. There's that struggle between what we know God has said and, and what we hope and place our hope in, and then sometimes we look at the reality of our lives and we go, man, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I got, I got dreams for bigger things, but I'm not seeing it today. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like promises that God has made and things that you felt in your spirit that God is doing, and yet you're looking at your life going, I'm a, I'm a person of hope, but man, I'm feeling the struggle. <laughs> so much easier to deal with struggles in other people's lives, right? So much easier to pray for them and have faith. Oh, trust me, God's got this. I believe it. And then you're over here in the corner going, oh, God, what's, you know, you're freaking out because it's your struggle and it's so hard. And I think this is something that as a church, we have got to learn to really get our minds around in a, in a healthy way, this idea of what it means to have hope. And so what I want us to do is we're going to look in the Word today and let the Word just do some teaching to our hearts, all right? So turn with me to Romans chapter 4, if you will. We're going to look into a passage that talks about the, the guy that's known as the father of our faith, Abraham. And by the way, a really cool thought of Abraham, a lot of times, you know, we, we kind of put him on a pedestal and stuff. But Abraham, um, the promise that was made to Abraham is the promise that we all live under today, by the way. I don't know if you all know that or not. But it, Jesus didn't just come to fulfill the law, which he did. He came to fulfill the promise God originally spoke to Abraham. All right? If you don't believe me, open your word and start reading through it. This is what makes it so cool is that it's all by faith. God just shows up to Abraham. He speaks some hope to him. And Abraham had a choice with what to do. So let's look at this together. And let's think about how we should operate in our own lives when it comes to what God says. Are you ready? All four of you. Fantastic. Let's go. Romans 4, verse 18. Let's read this together. It says, against all hope. Say that with me. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became. Whew, that's powerful. I want to say that one more time. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, just for fun, I want to read out of a couple of different translations, just to get your mind around it in a different way. New Living Translation says that just like this. It says, and even when there was no reason for a hope, <laughs> Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Listen how the Message Bible puts it. It says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding not to live on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. 
And so he was made the father of a multitude of people. Isn't that good stuff? Can anybody grab hold of that this morning, right? Now, verse 19. Here's what happens. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Man, that's a word, isn't it? This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. I love that. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And because of that, he became everything God said he'd become. That is a word for the hour today because you, I mean, just to, let me just prophesy that over you right now. You are people of hope today. You are people of hope. You have the ability to trust. And, and before we get in too deep and start making Abraham into something he wasn't, can we all just establish something real quick? Abraham was just a guy. Everybody do this. Nod with me. All right. He was just a man. He was nothing special. There was nothing different about him. He didn't have some spiritual leg up on you. I'm telling you right now, Abraham was a regular guy who heard a word from God who had to decide what he believed. And I can tell you the same thing can be spoken over your life today. We are regular folks. Not a single person in this room is any better than anybody else. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. But I'm telling you today, God's still speaking through his word, sometimes just in our hearts, maybe through other people, and we have got to get gutsy enough to decide about what we believe. That's what it means to have hope. And I think this is, this is so clear with, with Abraham. And sometimes I, I think as we start looking into a passage like this, we start trying to make it seem certain ways or try to decide if it's for us or against someone else or whatever. And I think a lot of times it's because we don't quite even understand what these words mean. It's like I say the word hope, and maybe to you it means something different than it does to me. I know English kind of has a way of getting in the way sometimes, right? <laughs> like just the way we describe things. I, I, I know my Spanish teacher in high school, he would always talk about Spanish. He said Spanish is, for, he'd always say it in this great accent. He'd say Spanish is for praising God and wooing women, and English is for cussing your horse, <laughs> right? And there's probably some truth there, right? It's not this beautiful language. We just kind of get by, utilitarian. But, but he, there's, this is what I like about this definition of hope in English to me. It's so funny. Uh, Webster says this. It says, hope is to want something to happen or be true and to think it could happen or be true, right? How many would agree? That's kind of depressing right there in itself, right? Like, I hope it happens, you know? It's like, hope Dave gets done in time because, man, I'm hungry. It's already noon, and good grief, his intro is like 10 minutes already, right? Like, I hope we make it. I hope I get that job. I hope they say yes. It's almost with this air of, of like, doubt. Y'all feeling that, right? And that's sort of this English understanding of the word hope, but I love the biblical definition of hope, the very word we're using right here in this passage. Look at this one with me. It comes from the word elpis, and I guarantee you I'm mispronouncing that, but it's totally cool. Nobody's going to tell, right? It's from the word elpis. It means to anticipate or welcome. Everybody just say that, welcome. Isn't that great? It means like God said it. I'm like, yeah, come on. Let's do this, right? To anticipate, to welcome properly expectation of what is sure or certain. That's hope in the biblical sense. That is a powerful word, man, that, that when God says it, it's this anticipation of like, man, I can't wait. It's coming. Like there's this confidence, this knowledge, this trust, this settling within our spirits of realizing this has nothing to do with chance. 
This isn't some Jiminy Cricket like wishing upon a star garbage, right? This is something that is purely found, signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the kind of hope that you and I can have today, and it all starts with Jesus. Praise God. When you think about why this is so important, especially in light of a guy like Abraham, was it's easy to say, yeah, well, that was him, and, and you know, my circumstance is different. Don't kid yourself today, guys, because Abraham was 75 when God said, you're going to have a kid. 75. Everybody else in that culture, kids meant wealth and prestige. It meant identity. And this couple, I guarantee you, we don't have it provided in Scripture, but by the conversation that took place, you know good and well, Abraham and Sarah have been trying. They weren't like some of us that put it off for a while just to kind of get, get things figured out. No, they've been trying. This is important. And yet God shows up and he's like, hey, you're going to have a kid at 75 years old. And then you've got to go wait another 25 years for that promise to happen. But yet it says, against all hope, he hoped and believed and so became. So I think that we could probably draw some things. Are you all still with me today? Draw some things out of this passage that will apply to us. I'm not prophesying anybody's having kids today, all right? Unless that's just something you need, right? But I'm just saying, this, this is the same scenario that we can take and apply to our lives because it's the same God dealing with the same kind of people, right? We believe this is, this is true for us today. So how do we hope against all hope? Let me give you the first one if you're taking notes today. Number one, we've got to learn to face facts without the fear. Come on, get that in your heart today. Learn to face the facts without the fear. Listen to what it says in verse 19 again. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. That does more for me than it does for you, I think, because that's powerful, man. Without getting weaker in his faith, he was able to look at things and go, yep, I realize this is dumb. This doesn't even make sense on any level, but I'm not going to get weak in my faith. It says since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. We could face facts without fear, without our faith getting weaker. How many would agree that fear will make you do insane things sometimes? Right? Uh, how many of you are scared of spiders? Anybody? Praise God. I just had revival in here. Did you all see that? Somebody raising their hands up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, listen, I, I know spiders, I, they don't bother me, but they bother some of y'all. Because, like, you could be on your way to a black tie affair. You could, like, you could be dressed to a hilt, right? Everything's good. And you walk into a spider web, and somebody just downloads and ninja moves into you, and you're all like, you know, you're swatting and screaming, making the noises and everything, right? You know what I'm talking about? Fear will make you do crazy junk sometimes. I can tell you, and because my wife's not here, I really can tell you uh, that there was a time one day, um, this is, oh man, this is a great story. Fear will make you do crazy things, all right? So, so my wife one day was out weeding the flower bed on the front porch, right? And, and I was in the house working and you know, and it, <laughs> she lets out this shriek, right? And fellas, you all know, if, if the lady shrieks, you come looking, right? You don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it could be like you didn't take the trash out or somebody's like breaking down the back wall of the house. You know, it could be anywhere in between. It doesn't matter. If they're shrieking, you go look, all right? You don't know what it is. And so she starts shrieking. I go to the door to see what's the matter, and I can't even start with the story of what I saw when I opened the door, so i got to rewind a little bit and tell you what happened. So she's out there weeding the flower bed, and she's getting up, and she's dusting herself off, and she looks down, and there's this tiny little brown spider right here on the front of her Nike shorts, right? Brown spider. 
little fella. <laughs> and, you know, after she burns her shorts, like with a blowtorch, I'm kidding, she didn't do that. Um, but as she's like trying to swat this thing off and everything, the spider's scared too, right? Fear will make you do stuff, right? So he's like starting to retreat and he's running down the leg and he gets to the bottom of that hem and what does he do? He didn't know what else to do. He went on back up inside, right? Because he's trying to find, he's trying to find a way out of there. And so, so all she could do was right when I walked to the door, all I know is she had pulled those shorts off and she was dancing in her drawers on the front porch of the house. All I'm going is, woman, you are the pastor's wife. What are you doing out here in your underwear on the porch, right? Okay, and I did get her permission to share that story. I'm just saying right now. What am I saying? I'm saying fear will make you do crazy stuff, won't it? Fear will absolutely make you lose your ever-loving mind sometimes. And especially when we get scared about the things we see in our lives when they run contrary to what we feel like God's been saying. Right? Are you with me? But I'm telling you right now, with the proper idea, the proper understanding of the Word, we can face the facts without succumbing to fear. We can face facts in our lives because I think so often we, we think it's a different story for ourselves, but we look at Abraham and go, well, of course he's got it. Y'all, let's, let's not mince words here. He was, he was 100 years old waiting on this promise of God to come in his life. How many would agree? That is a big fact you cannot avoid. Right? But yet he could say, I don't care what I see with my eyes or feel with my body. It doesn't really matter at this point. I know what God has said over my life. And I can face the facts without fear that God's going back on his word. Are you with me today? And I believe the same could be said about us. That it does not, we, can, we can let our, our condition speak, but we don't have to let it weigh in on the confidence we have in our God. Amen? I believe that. I, I think that so often we're guilty of trying to size up the miracle or the promise or the hope based on our control or our understanding, right? It has to make sense to us, right? Of course, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that we should trust in the Lord with all our heart and, and lean not on our own understanding, right? But in all our ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct our paths or make our paths straight. So I think sometimes we get in the way because it doesn't make sense. It's not logical to us. And so we start stepping in and we start saying, well, I, I don't know. And we, we kind of tend to believe that God can do it. Well, because it's kind of in our control. But wow, that thing's way too big. I'm already hopeless. We can face the facts without fear. I'm not saying do something stupid and, and start believing crazy stuff. No, no, no. Just, just trust. In fact, I, I even say it this way sometimes. Is that, that it's about, there's a difference between fact and truth. This is something we've, we've taught our daughter. And we, we, we have to teach ourselves and keep reminding ourselves all the time. There's a big difference between fact and truth. Fact is, you might not be feeling well today. How many knows? That's okay. That's just a part of life. It's part of the, the curse that came on mankind, right? That's a fact. But the truth is, by his stripes you're healed. Are y'all following me today? There's a difference between fact and truth. Fact might be that I got laid off from my job, but truth is he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, amen? And, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread, right? There are two different things that we can embrace reality without letting that reality derail the truth of God. Sometimes we look at this and say, wow, man, it's just, it's just gotten really hard. How many would agree? Faith's hard when times are hard. But how many would also agree that's the only time faith is really faith? Faith isn't faith when times are easy. 
You don't need faith when times are easy. But when you're up against the impossible, when you can't do it, that's when faith becomes faith, and that's when it's truly powerful. So we never have to let our eyes determine what our hearts believe. Amen? We've got the Word of God to do that for us. The truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what you're trusting God to do. You don't have to bury your your head in the sand, but we can trust God. that He's going to show us, and He's going to lead us, and we're going to learn through this. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5-7, we walk by faith, not by what we see or feel or taste or smell or touch. All those senses need to get out of the way and take a back seat to His Word. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We could face the facts without the fear, without weakening, weakening in His faith. He faced the fact that His body was as good as dead. That, that little phrase, weakening in His faith, it literally means diseased faith. If you want to develop diseased faith, anybody just just in the market for that? I don't know. I'm just curious. If you want to develop diseased faith, start spending more time focusing on your problem than the promise. Spend more time meditating on why things will not work out than the size of your God who says they will. Amen? That'll change things in your life. I'm telling you today, we can hope against all hope because we cannot succumb to fear. We're going to give into faith. So here's another one. Let's, let's, let's keep moving on. How else do we hope against all hope? And, and I almost didn't even call it this, but I want to just say it this way. Number two, pick a side. Pick a side already. In fact, nudge somebody by you and say, pick a side. Would you do that? Yes. Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you need to learn how to pick. <laughs> you're going to get in a fight on the way as you leave here trying to decide if you're going to eat tamales or what's the other places around here? I don't even know. I just remember tamales. So, uh, Burgerland, I drove by that one too. Praise Jesus, right? Amen. Oh, man. Okay, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what. It's noon. That's why I'm going there. That's why it's going on. Man. Yeah, just pick a side already. I, I think that there's something... Uh, about this that, that is so interesting just in mankind alone because it's, it's saying right here in verse 20 that he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Everybody say waver. Isn't that a good word? He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That's such a mouthful because if, if you'll go back, and, and I don't blame her at all, but in, in Genesis 18... We see Sarah's idea, right? God says, hey, you're going to have a kid. And Sarah does what? She laughs. How many would agree Sarah would be in good company if you were with her that day, right? Like, yeah, I probably laughed too. This doesn't make any sense. But I love this, that, that common sense says it's, it's impossible. But yet, Abraham, I love how the contemporary English version puts it. He says, he never doubted or questioned God's promise. Now, that almost seems superhuman a little bit. But let's, let's settle in on this a little bit. God made a promise, and Abraham just said, okay, I believe you. He didn't waver back and forth on what was truth. He already knew what was true. Can we speak the same over our lives today? That those things around us don't have to speak in and don't have to weigh in on it. I love it. James chapter 1. We, we know this passage. It talks about if you're asking God for wisdom, but you can plug in any other thing there. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Right? You get this picture, this back and forth, this wavering that's going on. He says, let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded. He's unstable in all his ways. And I think so often one reason we don't see things happen in our lives that we really believe God's going to do is because we hadn't picked a side. We waver back and forth between what we think is true and what we feel is right. 
We didn't pick a side. And I think it's up to us to not give in to that sort of tendency that we all have to be spiritual yo-yos. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Which you're up one minute and you're down the next. And you're up one minute and you're down the next. And you come dragging into church and all of a sudden they sing that song. Oh man, the heavens parted. I feel so good. Y'all know where I'm coming from, right? Oh, they sang my song today. Oh, my spirit's so rejuvenated. It feels so good. And then you get out in the car and that text message comes through and you're like, oh, the world's falling down on me. You know, and like you're down one second and you're up the next second and back and forth. How many feels where I'm coming from today, right? I'm telling you right now, our God is the kind of God with the hope that we have that He can bring low the mountains and exalt the valleys so that we're not walking like this through our entire lives. But folks, we're on an even plane. We can be, we can be fine at all times. If you're with me right now, say amen, right? He doesn't want you to have to be up and down. Granted, times are going to come. I get that. But I'm telling you, we have hope today that lets us walk steady through life. This word waver, it comes from the original word diacrino. It means this, to judge thoroughly, literally judging back and forth negatively. (laughs) We judge, don't we? Uh, I think about courtroom dramas. Anybody like those on TV? We we get to watching those sometimes, some law and order. Dun, dun. Right, you know the little little noise. I don't know what that is, but you know you're watching it, and you're you're watching the prosecutor, man. They're like drilling the guy, and they're like, you're like, yeah, he's guilty. I, I, man, that's that's convincing. That is really good. And all of a sudden, the defense gets up, and they start, and you're like, maybe not. I don't know. It sounds pretty convincing too, right? You know, and it goes back and forth depending on who's talking. Right? You're, you're wavering back and forth. You're judging back and forth. The problem is, it's one thing when we're talking law and order, but it's another thing when we're talking the promises of God. The things that we are staking our lives on. And I, I believe today, you don't have to waver. You don't have to judge back and forth. Because there's always that voice. The enemy is so crafty. He's going to come up. And he, the moment you're standing in faith for God to do the thing you believe God said He's going to do. The thing you read, read in Scripture. And you're believing it's going to happen. I guarantee you that's the moment the enemy speaks up and says, Huh, have you really thought about that? Hmm. Hey, did you see what that person said the other day? Yeah. You know, he did it all the way back in the, in the Garden of Eden, right? Eve. Hey, did, did God really say that? He starts introducing that doubt. And what do we do? We start judging back and forth. We start wavering. But I'm telling you today, you don't need to determine which voice is going to speak into your life when you've already had the voice speak into your life. Amen? We've already heard the word. We can trust and we don't have to waver back and forth. We can either stand with what our situation's speaking right now or we can stand with what our Savior has already said. Praise God. In case you're wondering, I get it. Sometimes it's easy to make it all about us when we feel like <laughs> that it was up to me. And there's something wrong with me, that I've done something. There's some issue in my life. It's this identity issue that we all deal with sometimes when we, when we try to, to, to make the condition conditional on us. Can I just tell you today, it just liberates you a little bit. It's never been about you to begin with. It's always been about Jesus. It's, Ephesians tells us this, that, that it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, right? It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man boast about it. So it never was about you being good enough anyway. These promises of God are simply about Him being good, amen? Him being faithful to His Word, and we can hope against all hope. Praise God. Worship team, come on back up if you will. 
I want us to wrap this up today, and I, and I really want to encourage you this morning, as you are listening right now, I, I know how the enemy works. He's already sowing seeds of doubt. And by the way, I don't want to even give him too much credit, because sometimes we're pretty good at that too, right? Sometimes we're good at sowing the seeds of doubt and, and going by feelings and things. But, but I, when it comes to having hope, how do we do this? How do we hope against all hope? Well, we can learn to, to give into faith and not into fear. We can learn to pick a side and just trust the voice of God. But here's the thing I really want you to get a hold of today is that our faith increases when our praise increases. Okay? Y'all get a hold of this today. Our faith will increase when praise increases. Listen to this, verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. Everybody say that word with me strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't waver at the promise, but he was strengthened, giving glory to God. I love this. Strengthened is a word that comes from uh, the Greek word dunamis. It's the word we get the word dynamite from. It's an explosive strength. It's this, it's this thing that has got power behind it. And yet, He's talking about this faith that Abraham had, that even though he had to wait so long to see it come to pass, yet his faith got stronger and stronger and stronger the more he gave glory to God. It increased. It's like a, like a locomotive taking off. and as it, it starts off slow, but after a while it builds some, some steam and it starts moving. It has some momentum behind it. How many would agree? I would love for my faith to be that way, right? Here's how we do this. Thank you. 